garage with phonetic and brains. Easy. Yes, yes, mate. We're back with your month of, of garage gripes and moans from two old gits. <laughs> oh dear, on the brains from the brain cave, live and direct. <laughs> I am phonetics, um, yet again without my car. <laughs> Eventually yeah. we'll get there with it. Uh, eh? <laughs> I've joined you. I've joined you today. I'm, uh, I'm yeah, there. yeah, we're both rocking the we're both rocking the kind of old school look. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, how you been, mate? How's it all been going? I'm all good, mate. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Very busy. Um, things are popping off. It's all can't complain. And I'm loving this weather, man. It's, it's a very pretty, British way to start a podcast, isn't it? By talking about the the weather, but you know. yeah, yeah, it's lovely weather. It's been fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been it's been snazzy, mate. I I, I mean I I, uh, I graft from home, so it's been nice to be out in the garden, on conference calls with with India and and Chicago and all the other beautiful things you have to do. Working for the man, okay. <laughs> um, with your dog running around you, I would imagine as well. Yeah, uh, pretty much. You in a deck chair in your garden with the dog just running around you like a lunatic. <laughs> yeah, every now and again I just have to put it on mute and be like, come here. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> awkward. It's awkward to say the least. Um, so you had a had a little guest slot today, I, I see. I I did. Do you know what? It's going to make you laugh. I actually had two guest slots simultaneously um, a while back. So I, I was booked in um, a while back to to do um, a slot on Impact Show on Flex FM. That's like my home away from home. Uh, been a little while since I've been down there, but like every six months or so, I pop down there, showcase a few new bits, have a little gas, much like we do with Impact uh, about garage and that. Um, but also, Strictly Flavoured asked me to do a guest mix for their Trickstar radio show, which is like the second Saturday uh, of each month at two till four. Uh, but I didn't twig when they asked me to do it. I just sort of said, oh, when do you need it by? And they were like, oh, yeah, the 9th of June, because obviously they wanted it by the 9th so they could get the show prepared. So I thought I had in my head that it was going to air on the 9th. So, of course, I then get two sets of artwork through, one from Flex and one from Trickstar, being like, here, plug this on your socials. And I was like, oh, man, I can't advertise I'm on two radio stations because then you're just basically going, right, pick which one you want to listen to. So I spoke to I spoke to your favor. I was like, look, I'm really sorry. Bad diary management on my part. Uh, but they, they, they aired the mix anyway. I said, like, I'll, I'll plug the one because uh, I'm actually going down Flex in person and then I'll plug the shit out of your playback in the coming days. So uh, watch my social media for that because I'm going to be plugging all sorts of radio stuff over the next few days. But it's so all did, good. Did, so did you do, was it exactly the same mix on both stations? No, or? no, no. So I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't mix at all um, down at Flex because they use, um, <sighs> they use record box down there and I've never used record box in my life. Maybe I could go down there and, you know, DJ software is fairly standard, right? But like, I'm, you know me, like I'm a perfectionist. I don't want to go down there and freestyle on a on a, program, on a platform I've never used in my life uh, just for the fear of making myself look like even more of a twat than I actually am. You know what I mean? So I said to Impact, you know what? I'll bring some tunes with me. Uh, we'll just we'll just take them from the edge, chat about them. I've got plenty of new stuff that we can we can showcase. And actually, it worked out well because he wanted to talk about some of my more bass-driven stuff because I've obviously got the EP out with Downplay at the moment, which is quite bass-centric. Um, I've got another one forthcoming, which has got some bass bits on Strictly House and Garage. So he wanted me to kind of go through those. Uh, and then obviously Strictly Flavor were keen for me to showcase some of the Strictly Flavor releases I've got, which are kind of more on my jazzy stepper uh, tip. So actually, I, I ended up kind of somewhat unplanned and inadvertently showcasing two different sets of tracks. Um, and, you know, added bonus was that if you were listening to radio today between two and four, you couldn't get away from me because I was everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so it worked out quite well. <laughs> yeah, I, lo I love that Impact always clashes with me whenever I do radio every two weeks. Thanks for that, Impact. I'm sure he did that very intentionally. <laughs> he, said, he said to send 
said to send his regards to you, by yes, the way. Yes, regards <laughs> to you too, Mr. Lucas. I hope you're always good. Um, great <laughs> stuff. And I'm sure you plugged the shit out of the podcast while you was on there as well. I did. I did. I did a fair bit of plug. plug I, got, I did so much plugging. I got told off for the amount of plugging I was doing. In fact, <laughs> oh mate, it's all about quit pro crow. Why do you think people go on these things? We was literally <laughs> talking about this in the week with other people who were remain remain unnamed, but it's uh, you know, it's true. Yeah, yeah completely <laughs> true. Um, good stuff. Well, yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you've managed to uh, get get yourself about a bit. Um, big up to, to Strictly Flavor. Um, big up to Impact. Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, should we should we do our thing? Um, we have, yeah, get into, get into the top top three showdown. Um, you, you good to go first this week again, as as per? I'm good to go first. I just need to check my list because I forgot what I picked. Right, here we go. Fairly obvious selection for me. You know, I'm a massive Higo fan. I know you're a massive Higo fan. Uh, he's got a new tune out last week. I think it came out with Poppy Bascombe on the vocal uh, on 21 NHG called Sleeping Alone. Uh, and it was a shoe-in for a play because it's just beautiful as ever. So um, let's get into it. Tell me where you're going, baby. Are you thinking about you and me? You've been acting kind of shady. Is it somebody else you've seen lately? And all my girls are here in the club Saying that I should know what I'm worth And you guys are backing you up Keeping you safe and telling me lies And you, you know what you do Telling me things that you know just ain't true That you know just ain't true Told you one time and I'm blocking your phone Two times and I'm letting you go Three times you'll be sleeping alone Sleeping alone, yeah, sleeping alone One time and I'm blocking your phone Two times and I'm letting you go Absolutely sick. Absolutely sick. What can you say? Just, just flawless as ever, isn't it? You expect no less. Expect no less. Do you know what? I was really excited because I saw, um, I think it would have been last week actually, around about the time this track came out, he tweeted, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, he tweeted something to the effect of, sacked off the day job, uh, now I can concentrate full time on music. And that excited me massively because I was like, yes, does that mean it's going to be an up in his work rate? Because if, if I had one complaint about it, I would get more tunes for him. So. Uh, bring it on, bring it on, okay, let's, let's go, let's go, <laughs> all like this. I mean, I literally, I did want to pick this one as well myself. Um, it, it was it, it was one of my favourite tunes that, that's come out over the past couple of weeks. And the only reason I didn't is because I picked a Higo tune previously and I, I wanted to make sure I stayed diverse and not show loads of favouritism just because there's so much that comes out um, every 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 week in Garage. I'm so happy you picked it. Um, sure. Uh, Poppy Bascom, no idea who she is. I, I was trying to find her on Twitter, and she's got like a private Twitter account. It's obviously some vocalist that he's sourced from somewhere, um, and it's a, she's, it's a wicked vocal. She, yeah, she's delivered, isn't she? Like, and it fits fits really well with this vibe. That intro with like those 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 keys, like that's that's right on my street. Like, it's just a kind of beautiful musicality that kind of slowly lulls into those pads, and and then you've kind of got those almost disclosurey kind of stabs. Mm, stabs that yeah, come yeah. here and then it, and then it you, you it's you know what's coming but nonetheless it doesn't disappoint it's just yeah just flawless flawless 
Yeah, great, great I like work. I'm, I feel like I'm gushing too much here, like I'm fanboying. <laughs> completely Mate, it's, fanboying. It's completely, it's completely deserved. He's, he's, yeah. um, he's one of the best at the moment. Um, it, well, sure. one of the best in terms of for for my taste, I guess for your taste, it's not everyone's taste, right? But right now in garage, he's he's top of the game. Um, and you know, what I, I I'm I'm happy that he done an extended mix of this one that I could get my hands on. <laughs> I thought that when I was when I was looking the other day, I was like, oh, yeah, Greg will be pleased. There is an extended mix. Extended at three and a half minutes. Still, and that was it. I played it. On, I played it on radio, and someone said in the chat room, "There's like trust Higo to put out an extended mix that isn't even four minutes long." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." I was thankful for it. I was happy it went past three. I was like, "Oh my god, this is like it's like a marathon must, for a Higo tune." <laughs> he must have heard you moaning on the other podcast. He must that must be what it was. He's just like, "Oh, those grumpy gits have been whinging about the length of my tracks." I'll up it by a minute. <laughs> yeah, no one listens to us. I thought it was, we just did this so we could moan at each other just every every couple of weeks. Um, it's like ther- therapeutic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a completely it. Um, you know great what? work. With, with, with Higo, like, I was thinking about this earlier because actually like when I was on um, Impact Show, uh, like he asked me to, to take along a few old tracks. I don't know whether he was expecting me to pick out like old gems from like 98 or something, but you know, that's not how I roll. Nothing against those tracks, but I'm like, I've heard them too many times. So I did in typical phonetics fashion, I picked out a couple from the lost years. One of them's by Qualified, the other was by Artifact. I was only when we were kind of listening back to it, I was like, do you know what? Like, if I made a direct comparison between what's going on in Garage now and those kind of bumpy 4 4 sounds, I feel like Higo's like the closest thing to that era like he's almost like uh there are shades of artifact in higo i don't know if that's fair to say i, I do you know what i mean like there, there are just elements of what he does that kind of remind me of that in his own kind of way and that's not a i'm not like saying oh he's ripped off artifact or anything but like uh, maybe that's something to do with why i like him so much maybe he's got like for, for, for me and you we're from that era maybe he's got like a nostalgic throwback vibe to back then Possibly. I don't know. I mean, that's. I wouldn't say that's what does it for me. I get why you're saying it when you compare. Like, I mean, I never really appreciated how musically brilliant Artifact was, and maybe that's because I had less of an understanding back then. Um, but, but I, I can understand why you'd make a comparison. But then, if I put the two side by side, I, I wouldn't. I, 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 you could, you could tell that they're, they're, you know, oh, yeah. a decade apart, no, no, or whatever that they they've are. They've definitely got their own. They've definitely got their sounds, respectively, haven't they? You know, here go. You, you can pick out one of his tracks from a mile off for sure. Um, please, that it's, one has no... the same. It's the approach, right? It's the musical approach to putting a track down. He's got it there. I, I get, I get where you're coming from from that angle for sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm keen to hear more, and I'm excited. I'm very excited at this prospect of. A boatload more Higo tracks. This geezer ain't stopping. You know he ain't stopping. He's all <laughs> over it. He's all over it. Right. So I'll, I'll jump into my first track. Uh, so I mean, I haven't gone for the kind of the the standout tracks that everyone would have probably heard across every every show um, over the past couple of weeks. But I, I picked out a little number that's come over from the states. Uh, this guy uh, on the buttons of it is uh, is called uh, Plask. I think I don't know if you pronounce it Plask or Plask. Um, but he's got a, a tune here that I kind of picked up on and played it on, on my show. I think it was on my last show. And, and I really enjoy it. It's, um, it's entitled Never Get Away.
my usual kind of crazy drop in your face, massive <laughs> face explosion. Oh my god, my face is on the floor. What is this kind of jobby? Um, what, what, where, where I really placed this? It, this wouldn't have been out of place for me back in like kind of 2010, 2011 time when Future Garage was really kind of blowing up. Um, it, it's like it's got that kind of more downbeat sound to it, and because it's in America, they're not reusing all of the same sounds that have been used in Garage for however many years. And you know, we can talk about recycling sounds over and over again. I'm pretty sure. Um, but it's like, this is, you can tell that it doesn't sound th th exactly the same, but it sits in the same kind of palette. And I just, I really enjoyed it. It was just a, a nice chill tune. Um, it's not, you know, it's not technically the most amazing, um, but it sits in a place that, that I enjoy. I think that's a, a brilliant synopsis there. Like you, you kind of took the words out of my mouth um, in terms of the kind of vibe of it and, and where it fits. Um, I love, the arrangement of it and the way it builds. I love, you know, like it kind of, you have those chords. There's there are a lot of thoughts going into the chords and they, they just, they lead you onto the next bit. And then as, as you get into the next bit, another sound comes in. And like you said, it doesn't have that big build up drop I would expect from the usual selections, but it's not, it's not that kind of track. It doesn't need that, do you know what I mean? It just kind of flows from one bit to the next, doesn't it? And um, yeah, it's just a beautiful listen. In fact, I, I must admit, I missed your last show. Apologies for that. So I hadn't actually heard this until you mentioned it to me earlier today. And the second, the first, the second I listened to it, I was like, that's going on my jazz step playlist. It's quite a song, <laughs> you know what I mean? I went straight on Spotify, added it to my jazz step playlist, and I tagged him in a in a tweet, just being like, I've just added this to my playlist because it's, yeah, it's, it's a lovely vibe. And um, yeah, as, as far as, I mean, I don't know what I did if I heard it in a club, uh, but then a lot of my selections and a lot of the music I listen to these days isn't necessarily dance floor oriented. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I don't I'm, think it's I'm a dance track. I'm quite happy to pull out something like that, have it on in the car or have it on while I'm sitting on the sofa. And it's just just nice, just a nice laid back vibe. It just makes me feel good. And, and and I think a lot a lot has gone into the sound design and that with the little those little synth patches and stuff. They're just it's just very sort of intricately programmed and well done. It's obvious, I, I will definitely be on the lookout for for more from Pilask, Plask, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> I will have my eyes peeled. It's it's nice. It's when you get when you get a, someone from another country taking a take on UK Garage and they've got that slightly different spin. You always get nice things out of it, and it can normally go a couple of different ways. Sometimes it goes really cliche because they're just trying to emulate every two step shit that come out since '98, um, or it, it from America at least it will go kind of more towards their poppy sound where everything's sung in triplets and they're using 808 on the drop for some reason over over the top just to sound like a pop hit and this doesn't do that it's more I say it's it's their own kind of take but I say it's it's got that future garage vibe for me like if this come out on L2S back in 2010 it wouldn't be out of place for me at all like yeah. it's it's a real it's got you know, that, it's I had I hadn't thought that until you until you said it, but yeah, like you're like Whistler would have been all over that, wouldn't he? You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Yeah, all definitely. the sounds in the background, the, the 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 way, all the structure of it is is completely like his bag. If he doesn't mind me speaking for him, um, big up boss <laughs> man. Um, but yeah, it's it, yeah, that's that's my that's my share. That's that's me um, for I my like first it. play. Good Thank stuff. you. I very, I very much enjoyed that. Um, no worries. Should we step into from your one... into your second? I was going to say, from one soulful laid-back tune to another, I'm not going to say too much about this. Safe to say, I'm going to give you 20 seconds to guess where it's from, and I don't think you're even going to need that. This is um, by an artist called Sam, and it's called Drama. It's uh, available now on Per Life.
So you said you was going to clash me on the Japanese vibes over text and you said you was unjappable. I'm sure that's not a racist slur. Um, yeah, mate. Yeah. Oh, oh, wipe the floor with me. What a rhythm. It, yeah, I knew, I knew you'd be all over that, man. I mean, like, I, I, I can't, I've been on a bit of a, a voyage of discovery over the past month. I know, like, obviously last month we, we talked at length about Shinji Fuji's energy, uh, about luminance, rather, um, and, and we were both raving about that, and I kind of went off, and I was looking at some of the playlists, because, like, obviously how one of the things that, that struck me last month was that a lot of the Japanese guys were adding tracks from my Jazz Step album to their playlist. So I'm like, right, they're obviously on the same wavelength. There's going to be some cool stuff on it. I started going through these playlists, and... That was like a brand new one that popped up. But there was an absolute raft of stuff that I have discovered over the past month, and I'm so excited to. Um, I feel like a kid in in a, in a toy shop, or do you know what I mean? Like I've, I just found all this new music, and uh, that was one of the, that was one of the picks. But that was, I mean, on my list, on my shortlist, there was that was one of several um, tracks from the Far East which fit this part of the show perfectly. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm going I'm going on there. I mean, it's just it's just a, it's a nice vibe. Like the keys, it's laid back, uh, and it's a testament as well to what we said before about actually um, the vocal content and actually not being overly fussed about the language. Because you know, I need to brush up on my Japanese. I haven't got a clue what you're saying, but I love that track nonetheless. Do you know what I mean? Um, Mate, stunning! I loved it. Absolutely loved it from start to finish. Piano, um, the piano instantly made me think of Paleface. Um, <laughs> What's yeah, that, what is that, that tune? I can't remember what it's called. I forgot. I, uh, I, I could just hear the piano, and, and I, I can see the record label. And I can't. I know. I know the tune you mean. I can't. I can't. I can't yeah. name it either. But I know exactly. Now you've said that, I know exactly what you mean. That's yeah, it. Yeah, it, yeah. it. sounded like that piano, but done better. Um, <laughs> it was, is, is the only way I can put it. And when the drop came in, I wasn't expecting it to be as smooth a two-step as that, but it was uh, phenomenal. Uh, MC's flow, wicked. No idea what he's chatting about. He could be talking about genocide. It doesn't matter. It sounds amazing. <laughs> um, great stuff. Great find, man. What what a tune. Can I give like whilst we're talking about Japanese garage, J garage, whatever you want to call it, um, I would recommend if you're feeling that, check out a guy called Takaryu, um, as spelt as you would expect it to be. Um, there's, I mean, I mentioned to you, didn't I, uh, recently about the, the Megatrax Speedgar compilations. So don't be perturbed by the fact they're called Speedgar because it isn't Speed Garage in the traditional sense of it isn't like loads of Warpers from 98. But there's there's a big label in, in Japan that, that, that they don't only put out J Garage, they put out all sorts of, of high octane EDM. One of the things they do really well is they do this super advanced futuristic two-step. Well, it's not only two-step, it's basically Garage. Um, but it's 
a bit faster and it's got a lot of sort of wave racer style synths over the top of it so those kind of techie sounds that you would expect to hear in a capcom computer game from from the 90s you know what i mean um but some of it if you can get your head around the tempos i mean i said to you didn't i via text like some of it's 145 150 um, i've actually been making some um and i thoroughly enjoy doing it so i'm in contact with a couple of the japanese labels at the minute but um yeah mega tracks speedgar um um, do you know what? I might even add some of them to the uh, to, to our In The Garage playlist just for sort of ease of reference for listeners because uh, they're well worth a listen. If you can appreciate um, high quality you know, production levels, the, the quality control is there. It's just a case of getting your head around the, the tempo of some of it. Uh, thankfully, that, that, that selection was obviously uh, more in line with the tempo of what we would traditionally expect from uh, a two-step track. Um, hence it, it kind of fit a little bit better but there's there's plenty of just awesome stuff out there and i'm going to shut up because I'm, I'm gushing again i'm just doing a whole lot of fanboying tonight I need to calm down <laughs> mate that's what it's here for that's what that's what that's what that's what they pay to see mate it's the it's the gushing and the fanboying um i mean i'm i'm jumping into the same country uh i'm gonna have to skip past the intro a little bit because i know it's a long old intro on this one but uh again one i played on my recent show it dropped on trekkie tracks which is the label, I don't, I don't know if Car Painter owns it, they must own it, because it's Tricky Tracks, Car Painter, right? Um, and so they they, uh, they put this tune out a couple of weeks ago, and it's by uh, an artist called Isogen, and this one is called Schmile. Um, have a listen, it's, it's uh, yeah. It's, it, I've definitely been out-japped. Out um, let's see how this one goes, big up. I mean, like, there's, there's, like, there's just music in the percussion. Even um, it just dances, right? Um, yeah. I love the use of, of a, a proper guitar in there, a proper guitar sample. Um, it's a happy, happy sound. You got the spooky old um, theremin. Yeah, the theremin it, in it, there. I think he deserves props for being possibly. This is Phonetics, uh, and if you're watching the podcast on YouTube right now, you, you're going to be wondering why we've opted for some old kung fu film-style dubbing. Uh, you may, be, may have noticed that this month the podcast was a tad later than usual. The reason for that was due to a couple of technical issues, uh, first of which was... Um, you can see me holding my beautiful condenser mic there in the video. It actually uh, didn't record properly, which we didn't realise until we finished the episode. Bit of a bummer. Uh, but the, the the more pressing issue we had was actually with Twitch, uh, because the way we formulate the podcast is it streams out to a Twitch channel, uh, which we can then download the output from and edit. Uh, unfortunately, uh, in selecting the next track, which ironically is one of my own tracks, we were hit with a DCMA uh, copyright strike, um, albeit for a track that I wrote, uh, and Twitch kindly, uh, being the wankers that they are, muted the audio. Uh, and uh, shouts shout out to, uh, to to Andy at Slime for being being a gent and trying to help us resolve the issue. Unfortunately, um, although he went to his distributor and asked for the copyright strike to be removed, um, Twitch actually denied the appeal. Um, so the moral of the story is this. 
uh, Twitch wankers. Uh, and we've ended up with a glaring five-minute gap uh, on our podcast uh, where there was me casually doing a humble brag and promoting my new release. Um, so I'm instead going to just chat shit for five minutes and I hope you don't too, mind too much until the uh, the mute comes off, in which case we will go back to um, the, the original audio with both myself and Brain. So if you look at the video right now, you can see me kind of subtly... Um, trying to big myself up without sounding like too much of a twat. Uh, Brains, bless him, being the lovely guy he is and a good mate of mine, uh, was kind of singing my praises. Uh, and, you know, I sort of said, you know, we, we'd discussed prior to the recording that the, the podcast really wouldn't be validated until such a time as we managed to discuss one of the slime releases. Uh, and as luck would have it, I obviously do have my 2002 EP uh, available widely now. Um, check out phonetics.co.uk for more information on where you can get that. Um, round about now, I mean, God knows why Twitch even muted the audio where they did, because actually they cut off the, the end of the discussion we were having about the last track, which is a shame because it was a big one. Um, but right about now, I'm, I'm about to drop in the audio from uh, a track taken from the EP which is actually riding quite high in the Beatport and Juno download charts at the moment uh, titled Get On Down. Um, it was a uh, a break step inspired number which took a lot of influence from DJ Zinc's Bingo Beats releases back in the day uh, and that kind of was the first track I recorded from the EP um, and I think at this point in the video I'm kind of sort of saying to Brains I was surprised that of all the tracks on the EP it was uh, it was the one I expected to get the most support for from DJs. Um, somewhat surprisingly, the one that ended up getting a lot of a lot of plays uh, was the payoff, which was the Orish J um, inspired two-stepper, a kind of dark uh, baseline led thing. Uh, and Brains commented actually that, that that was his choice of the bunch. Thank you. 
Brains commented actually that um, being the music snob he is, he, he observed uh, in, in terms of the promo, he's obviously on Slime's promo list uh, and got the promo mail out for the whole EP in advance. Uh, what I actually do when I'm doing a mail out to my little inner circle, if I've got an EP coming out, I'll break it down into each track and I'll, I'll drip feed them a track from the EP each week. My thinking always being that if you send people four tracks in one hit, no DJ's got space on their show with, with the plethora of new music coming out that they can play four of your tracks. But you're fairly assured that they're going to play one of the tracks. Uh, Brains obviously picked up on that, realised he was obviously one of the very few that had this particular track get on down. Uh, so he actually showcased that first and then later went back and played uh, the other ones in succession, being being the gent that he is. One don't get played and then it all gets forgotten. Bright, very bright. Um, yeah, the- yeah, man. I mean, if you, you put three or four tracks, I mean, we talked about it before, didn't we? You put three or four tracks out at a time, like most DJs aren't going to play three or four tracks on their show. So if you send them one at a time, you, you get more of a rounded exposure for the EP, don't you? And it's interesting because in terms of the tracks from that EP that got played, so it's a four-track EP, you've got that one, you've got like the Orish J kind of sounding one uh, that's called The Payoff, you've got the 4-4 four, four Roller that's lighting fires, and then a two-step track called Goodbye. And I just incorrectly assumed that this one, Get On Down, was going to be the one that got hammered. But actually, like from what I've seen and from the live streams and the sets that I've been tagged in, The Payoff is the one that the DJs have been repping the most which of all the tracks was probably the one I thought was least likely to get support because it sounds so distinctly of its time. Uh, but perhaps perhaps there's, there's, there's a bigger gap in the market there for that kind of Orish J sound than there is for the zinc, zinc, the zinc thing because there's, there are still people obviously doing the breakbeat thing as we've discussed before, haven't we? You know, like the Spanish lot are quite on the breakbeat thing. So maybe, maybe that's part of it. But I didn't know how it was going to go when, when the EP got released. And it's interesting to see in terms of sales, Get On Down is obviously the one that's charting highest. Um, so in, although the DJs that have been tagging me have been ripping the payoff the most, that one there is the one that, the record by and public are, are latching onto, and I guess that's the the most important thing, right? Is 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 what the consumer wants. Um, people are feeling it, so. Yeah, it's a it's a real strange one. I mean, I played this first of all. I think the main reason I played this show, and I'll be completely honest with you, um, is because obviously you didn't you didn't send out this one straight away. You only sent out the first did the payoff, and Andy obviously sends me it all. So I'm like, right, I'm playing one that no one else is playing. <laughs> straight up, right, well, who ain't got this? Right, I'm playing that. Just, just to be that arsehole, um, <laughs> hold my hands up to it. Um, but, I, you know, I think I agree. I probably prefer the payoff to that track. Um, to the, and I, I think it's more just because the payoff is more, it sounds more up to date. It, you may have been trying to emulate that Irish J kind of time uh, sound, but it still sounds more modern. And um, And I think... Even though, I mean, you haven't really talked about the fact that what you called this is the 2002 EP, right? So it was all the tracks right. are aimed to be of around that kind of time. Um, yeah. Great concept. And you've put a modern spin on all of them, I'd say, but still made a great EP that does sound of that kind of time. Um, but yeah, I think the payoff just sounds the most mature. And that's probably why it's getting the most traction. That's yeah, from, my, from my perspective. That's interesting. Thank you. No, thank you for the, the, the feedback, man. No, so, I mean, 2002 was a sort of, it's got a place in my heart because that was, that was the year where I turned 18 and kind of started going properly clubbing. And so that's why I kind of wanted to do something that heart back to that because I just remember the, the kind of bubbling melting pot that was UK Garage at that time and the umbrella with all the little micro niches. And remember there being the people that were really into that Orish J kind of sound. And I must admit, I wasn't one of them at the time. I didn't really get it. I couldn't really get on with Dark, dark One, Spider and tracks like that. I was just a bit like 
Yeah, I'm not really sure. But then upon reflection in later years, kind of went back and was just like, oh, there's something to those tracks. And they were kind of, arguably, you could argue the roots of dubstep, right? Tracks tracks like like that from that era. Because what, what, what started as that kind of went on to be that kind of evolved sound that um, people were like, you know, championed to, to kind of kickstart that that movement. Um, but yeah, there was there was that kind of that bass heavy two step. There was the four four rollers. There was the break step, and just a beautiful time in garage to be able to go out and hear all of those kind of different vibes within the same set. Uh, I, f- I feel like a lot of DJs these days, and funny enough, we were talking. I was talking about this with Impact earlier. There's a lot of DJs around that are kind of like, oh, I play this specific micro genre this specific style of garage and they don't kind of deviate from that and i'm not criticizing them because it's it's like you kind of get that purist following by doing that right mm, yeah yeah but but the thing that always attracted me to garage and i think the thing that probably attracted a lot of people to garage was that variety so you know that that era in garage where it was really varied and where ez rocked up and you knew he was going to play a little bit of this and a little bit of that and just churn through them all in the space of an hour an hour and a half and it was just going to light like you know like the club on fire um yeah that's that's all sort of fond fond memories and, and nostalgic for me and um yeah that Wait, was the but, but i mean that's been there in this history forever right it used to be house and garage h and g that's what it was they used to get mixed in you'd have a bit of house a bit of garage and there was always that kind of crossover and i think there's always it's always had that kind of floating genre that's never been one thing and you do get these kind of subtypes of tunes that come out over the times um but there I, are, that's what i love we, about it would, would you, I mean, would you agree that there are sort of certain times in Garage where I, I don't want to say that gets lost, but there are certain times where it's more marked, it's more, more that's more apparent than other times. Because I know, like, if you look back to just, I know we always harp on about the forgotten years, but like, look at the Lost Era, look at 2003 through 2008, right? Yeah, there were kind of different brackets of Garage, and you had that kind of bumpy 4 4 in London, you had people championing two step, you had the baseline thing going on up north. But in general terms, and I'm just going to use something like 4x4 or Prolific as an example, you wouldn't expect necessarily to go to one of those club nights in that time and hear that varied selection of tracks as you maybe did in yesteryear. Do you know what I mean? And I think, you know, I, I don't go I don't go out. I mean, no one goes out clubbing today at the moment. Uh, I, have, I haven't been to, to a garage night in a long while, but certainly from the live streams that I've tuned into and certainly from the radio shows that I listen to in general terms, there are some there are DJs around that mix it up. You're one of them. Uh, Merlin mixes it up a lot. Impact does it quite a lot. Do you know what I mean? Uh, obviously, I, I'm not just saying that because you guys are my boys. You are my boys, but like that's that's a fact. You guys do mix it up. There are a lot of DJs that I lock into that that don't seem to mix it up so well. And that's not a criticism of them. That's just their personal taste. Just my observation is over the years, it's kind of become less of a thing that the, the, the DJs are kind of mixing up from the full spectrum of garage. People seem to kind of own in on kind of a particular sound. Uh, just. Just as I say, not a criticism, just an observation, man. Uh, it's what it's whatever you feel like you're you're you enjoy and what's marketable. I guess I don't know. Everyone's got their own thing. I don't think I'd judge anyone on. I, I, I say the only time I would judge is if you're blatantly trying to emulate someone else or you're completely pandering. That's the only thing that I'll probably judge you for. But <laughs> otherwise, just play what you enjoy, man. If if you enjoy four four bass warpers and nothing else, and you just want to make your ears bleed. Have at it, mate. Like play it. Like I don't, it's not. I'm not going to stop you. Um, everyone likes a, a little bit of ear blood every now and again, and, and I play my <laughs> my set of warping tunes when I can. Um, we we didn't talk really at all about. There's, you know what? It's almost like they need their own kind of section on this on this podcast. Slime recordings and 
the uh, the amount of dedication that that Mr. Andy Basic has had over the years um, of of just dedication of constantly putting out releases on Slime. Um, you've got Boss Mode as a sister label. Downplay is is obviously the garage kind of standout one at the moment. Um, and there's just so much we could go on about about what he's done over the years. And I just wanted to say thank you to him for his dedication and and the repertoire he's given us over the over the years. I'm glad you took a minute to do that. I, I was pondering, uh, maybe it's something we discussed for down the line doing like a slime special or something. I think there are there are a few, there are a handful of labels around that really deserve the props of perhaps doing uh, some kind of special episode or something. But slime is definitely one of them. The, the level of quality control has always been so high. Like you, you know what you're getting and you know it's going to be good when Andy gets behind something. Uh, and obviously that was a big part of uh, why I wanted to get involved. Uh, but I, you know. I would say it's been an absolute pleasure to to work with him. So big up Andy, he's a true pro. Um, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to doing some, some more work with them. Um, if you can get onto his release schedule, it's so packed. <laughs> I imagine if you're at the back of the queue at the moment, you're releasing in like 2030. Um, big up, big up each and every. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's, let's get out of uh, the world of phonetics and see what my last one is. Um, me, 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 me. Right, so... <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm just going to play this tune. Let's just get it on. It's D-Tune's latest one, and, and I love it. I'm going to just, just kick it off, and we're going to listen to it and enjoy it. Big up. phenomenal absolutely phenomenal it's got it's got early prolific vibes all over it we use prolific we talk about it so much obviously because they were a huge label in the revival of the forgotten years um but back early when we got the guy simone your mind um is obviously the tune that instantly comes to mind when i hear this tune just i think just because of the the sounds of the bass um the two-stepping and the harmonies it's just it's got that it, it would have fit perfectly on that label back then um so, so this is D-Tune um, with Trap is Wild um, is, is the vocalist on it and it's called Groove and you know I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, a Roberto gush here a little bit over it I'm <laughs> sure you've got plenty to say about it but it's just musically um, and, and vocally it's just beautiful and well done well done lads 
wicked, wicked tune. Agree with everything you said there, man. Like I've, I've obviously, um, like I've, I've followed B Tune for a while. Um, he's been a big supporter of mine over the years. I've been a big supporter of his. I did a remix for him actually a few years back. Uh, I would say, Chris, this is by far and away the best thing you've ever done. I think it's a real standout for me. If I look at his discography, like it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. Like you said everything I would say, Brains, and I, and I think actually your suggestion that it would have been well suited to Prolific, spot on. The comparison to MJ Collins by Simone Track, spot on. Yeah, it's just, it's great. And big up Travis as well. That, yeah, like you said, that vocal is just smooth. Absolutely smooth. I wonder if yeah, he, if he um, arranged all that harmony himself. In, in I want, I'd love to know who arranged the harmonies because it's, it's really well done. Really well done. It's, it's very slick. The whole thing's just, yeah, it's just very slick. I very much enjoyed it. It's another one where the second I heard it, um, I went straight on and added it onto my jazz step playlist. <laughs> I was like, yeah, perfect, perfect fit. <laughs> Cracker, D-Tune, great, great work. Um, yeah, and that also means that I haven't got any random, savage, uh, sneaky Spanish bass cut to put in for my, for my third placer this week, which is interesting. I don't know whether to be relieved or disappointed, man. I, li- I like your, your little out there. You know, I, I, if ever there was a week for you to surprise me with a fourth selection like I did to you a couple of months back, maybe it'd be now. But. <laughs> well, we're going to try the new thing, right? So, so every, every, every show, we, we add the tunes that we discuss into uh, Rob's carefully curated Spotify playlist, the In The Garage Recommends playlist on Spotify. If you haven't grabbed that yet, that is uh, you can get that over in at it's in the ukgarage.com forward slash recommends. We'll get you straight onto Spotify to subscribe to that bad boy. Now, along with the tunes that we play, we also add um, more of our kind of favourite tunes of the moment. So we've got a bunch of tunes that we're going to add to the playlist this time round. Um, we normally add them up to be 10 in total, is that right, between us each? So, 10 each, yeah. So that means we've got another seven to talk. To keep it nice and swift, um, I'm, I've challenged Rob. Um, we're going to say one <laughs> sentence about each tune. So just say artist, title, and then one sentence about it. Um, do you want to just fire through all of yours and then I'll do all of mine? Or do you want to do? Do sure. you wanna go back to back? Yeah. How should we do it? Let's go back to back. We'll do one each, right? You do one, right. I'll do one. That, that might work, right? This could be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First one on my list is Cortese featuring movement, things that make you go, hmm, which is out now on Shall Not Fade. Shall Not Fade, great label. And this track is gritty. If I could sum it up in one word, gritty. It's the perfect um, summary of the type of thing that Shall Not Fade put out. Awesome. Uh, my first choice is uh, the remix of Burt Cope's Broken uh, by Yemi. And it is just a nice, polite take on Burt Cope's bass savageness. That's a lovely one, by the way. Uh, the, the next one, I'm not entirely sure how you say her name. I think it's Viva, Viva Rola. Uh, she's a Japanese R&B vocalist. Uh, another one of my Japanese selections. She's got a track out called Mixed Feelings, uh, which is available on Hitplan Music. Uh, lovely, uh, just another lovely, smooth uh, two-stepper with a, with a nice warm bass on it. My next one's Carrie Baxter on the vocals, and it's the 4-4 Love Affair Black Habit remix. Black Habit can do nothing but shit gold. <laughs> Is that that's your one sentence? That's Nicely my one good. sentence, that's, that's, done. That's a, that's a great summary right there. Uh, next, I've got Skepsis and TS7 uh, Freak, the Flavor D remix specifically, which is out on Crewcast. Um, it's just a... 
it's rammed full of energy. It's like it's almost like a, a sort of modern take on speed garage. You know, bass heavy thing, uh, and the bass just gets right in your head. Nice. Uh, my next selection, uh, we've got Hans Glader and Georgie uh, with a track called "Mad for You." Uh, Hans Glader backed up by an MC, bringing some brutally nice beats. My only complaint about that track is the brass doesn't come in a little bit sooner, but when it does, oh, it just takes my breath away. Um, <laughs> next on my list, I've got Smasher featuring Local, Them Days, which is available now on On Top Records. Uh, it's Smasher, that's what it says on the tin, lovely self vibe, um, chill out stuff. Uh, yeah, just easy listening. Pick up MC Local, Best Welshman 2020. Large up your <laughs> chest. My next choice, uh, okay, I can't pronounce this one because he's missing all the vowels out of his name for some reason. Um, it's uh, Ruvnti, and the track is called Something Tells Me. It's hard to describe this one. You need to listen to it. It's garage, but it ain't, and it's nice. Yeah, I always, sorry, just going to pause for a moment there because I always wonder, like, when you get an artist with a name like that, when they go on a radio show and do a radio spot, or if someone asks them what their socials are, how the fuck do you go about plugging that? Because you can't, like, you can't be like, oh yeah, check me out at like yeah, they, it's bad it, enough it, with a name like Phonetics where the spelling's a bit all over the place. They'll, and people they'll just sound like they're having it, a stroke you know? when they've got no vowels. Yeah. It sounds like they're having a stroke. <laughs> uh, next on my list, I've got uh, "Spend the Night," uh, which is uh, one of the tracks off the new MPH Night Bass EP. Uh, it's just a splendid blend of of what sounds like a kind of throwback to the old school 4-4 track but with lashings of, of typical MPH high energy drums and bass awesome uh, my next choice straight out of Spain Murix Echoes Spanish Breaky Garage and it's pretty nice, check it out I've heard that one, yeah. I'm going to have to go check it. Uh, last on my list, I've got uh, another one from Shunji Fuji, who we showcased last month. It's his new release, which is called Elegy, and it's available now on Infinity Sense. Just another lovely, smooth uh, vocal two-stepper. Uh, yeah, he's Japanese, but the vocal's in English. So is the MC. Um, not that we care about language here on in the, in the Garage podcast, but um, yeah, interesting to see a, a sort of a Japanese artist come with a fully English track tailored towards the London scene. Wicked. Uh, my last choice is off my favourite Spanish label, 83 Records. And it's a remix of Yo Speed's Stay With Me, label boss man Gao on the remix. Again, Gao always bring in high quality vibes and this is his breaky side rather than his bassy side. Please check it out. It's another nice one, man. That's it. That was nice. That was a good little challenge. And it also challenged me to actually remember what each one sounded like. Um, I feel like I need to make sure I listen to them again before we come on so that I'm just not making it up. <laughs> good fun. I liked it. Should we, should we step back? Let's do it. Let's time travel. Let's onto get, the, get onto in the TARDIS. The, the Indeed. Uh, I'm, I'm going first, I assume. Always. Always. So I, I, gave, I gave you a heads up, didn't I, before we, we got on here that I was going to finally pay tribute to my man Brad. So big up ODM. Uh, One Dark Martian's been doing his thing for time, uh, still doing it now. Uh, I apologise, Brad, that we're not picking one of your new tracks to, to rep. Uh, we will get to that, I'm sure, in the coming months because he's churning them out at the minute. But this track right here, uh, real sentimental um, track for me. I would 
probably go as far to say, and I've said this to Brad, were it not for this track, I don't think I would still be making Garage. Uh, I was, uh, I remember hearing this track and I was just so mesmerized by it, by the sound palette, by the arrangement, by the kind of haunting vocal uh, and, the, you know, the overall texture of the track. I fell in love with it. It inspired me, it blew me away, it really got me onto making loads of Bumpy 4-4 and I'm going to hush up before I just chat the whole way through it. This is ODM featuring Mary Turner. Uh, it doesn't have to be, which was available via True Tiger Recordings circa 2005. I remember ODM being originally categorised as like a, a Todd Edwards sound-alike, and and this track I think shows really that weren't him at all. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, he's, he's definitely you can hear the inspiration of both Todd and Daft Punk, right? And I think he would admit that they're two of his key influences. But he really he does it differently. There's, there's obviously there's a lot of artists around that do sound very like Todd. Right? That's not a criticism. It's just a fact. It's one of those things. Todd's the godfather of garage rights, it's bound to be the case. But ODM has just got such a distinctive, unique take on it. And I think, I mean, you could drop this track today and it would still sound as fresh as it did back then. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't his first release. He had a few releases before this. But I remember hearing that and just, it just captured me in a way that I don't think I'd ever been captured before. Like, I just was obsessed with that track. Uh, And I think it's a testament that will be like 16 years later and I can still listen to it. I still get goosebumps now. It doesn't, you know, you play a track for 16 years to someone and usually it's them off by the end of that. I still love it now. I don't think um, you're the first artist that I've heard say that that track was responsible for them hanging around in Garage. And it was probably just because it was around that time where, um, you know, the forgotten years were kind of building and then starting to become a bit samey and nothing was getting too exciting and maybe this was that one when it dropped on true tiger where it's like oh there's still cool things happening i don't know but you're definitely not the first person it might have been the future that said it as well i don't want to put words in in steve's okay. mouth um but i feel like it was him as well that said that uh, you know i don't i don't i'm it's definitely someone else another producer yeah, said big up the future he's a solid producer in his in his own right um yeah, I lost my trade of thought there. Well, I was going to say, yeah. oh, so, I mean, look, so, so, and I'll keep waffling for a little bit then while you can think. I just, I said before, when you was picking, you picked an ODM track, there was only two tracks that I would think that you could pick, right? This was one of them, obviously. Um, and the other one was Always Be There. 
um, which I think was oh, probably be there. that was like his first kind of big hit. I think like he had the four tracker yeah. EP before that that was a bit more obscure, and then always be there come out on True Tiger with a full color sleeve, and that was a yeah. that was the one that kind of established him. I think to say right, ODM means business now. Um, yeah. But then yeah, this one was kind of yeah. I understand why you picked this. It's his, it's his peak, definitely. He did it. He did a follow up to this track, Mary Turner on the vocal, didn't he? The the reason uh, was that stereo hype release. I think I've got it in my head. Um, might have been the B side like to this, mate. Like I don't know. Was it? Was it the B side? Because this this came out. I remember this was around for ages before it got released. Do you remember it? It was a it was a a four track. Yeah, I think you're right. You might be right. Actually, it was a four tracker, um, and it was Will Phillips on one side, ah, ODM yeah, on the other. Yeah, yeah. And the Will Phillips tracks were also two of my all time Percy's as well. There was In Love with You, and I can't name the, the other track, other but yeah, <laughs> the the and the other one, yeah. But the EP as a whole was just just pristine um he also did another one he did uh, which i think came out in streets was who are you do you remember that one that was a wicked that was a wicked kind of vibe it was just a bit it was a bit more vocoder in there it was kind of vocal vocal that it kind of bounced you'd know if i played it to you, yeah sure. probably I mean, probably don't come I remember to my taking, mind i remember taking some flack on the forums um back around those times as well from a certain producer who, who i won't name um but i remember someone giving him a lot of shit and going you know this isn't garage uh you know I don't know what it is, but it, it, it kind of, in essence, saying it doesn't belong here. Uh, but actually, I, I kind of disagreed. I always felt the fact that it was very different, the fact that it borrowed elements of Daft Punk and he brought in those kind of 80 simps and he was doing kind of different things, for me, was very much the epitome of, of Garage. You know, going back to what we were saying a short while ago about how it was always about diversity, wasn't it? And about creating new textures and, and different things. And, and actually, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you were right in your analysis there where you said, like, he came along and he did something really different. I mean, like, obviously, like, I, I champion the forgotten years in its entirety all the way through you know because they were like there was loads of absolutely banging stuff but in terms of creativity and something really different perhaps it needed something like someone like brad to come along and and do a really different take on it um and i don't really know if i if i look back on it now if i if i go right okay let's look at the history of garage has there ever been anybody that's come along and really stuck their middle finger up and done anything that different since do you know what i mean like Disclosure have definitely got their own distinctive take on it and they've kind of inspired a lot of people along the way. But like, you know, I mean, you could potentially argue that Brad was like an, an early kind of incarnation of, you know, I, I don't know whether whether Disclosure would say that they were directly influenced by ODM. They were probably too young to have heard of him, I, I would imagine. But um, yeah, he was definitely, he was there doing his own thing. Um, and he's still there now. I, got, I, I, I mean, I said it on one of the earlier podcasts, you know, I've got so much respect for the guy because... A lot of people jump ship, as will happen within genres, and, and there's been some real dark times over the years as Garage has gone up and down, and I know obviously Stereo Hype and Streets were a big outlet for ODM, and I think, you know, when, when Charmer kind of moved on, you know, Brad was, like me, one of those people who kind of went, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do now, but nonetheless, he always just kept churning out tunes. He's just always been there. He's like a, he's a real stalwart, like a, a mainstay of Garage, and I don't think... I mean, obviously, he's got his loyal fan base. There are people who, who champion ODM, right? But it's not as big as he deserves it to be. Like, for, for the, the legwork that he's put in, for the amount of tunes and releases he's done, I'm glad to see Russ has picked him up for Point Blank and he's regularly putting stuff out on Point Blank because, you know, it's a, a well-established and respected label. Maybe that kind of ups his, his rep a, a little further. Uh, but I, I feel like he's one of those artists from the forgotten years that probably has... has 
I don't want to say gotten lost or, or just basically hasn't ever received the credit that he deserves. Um, I hope that I hope something happens to change that. Um, but props to him for, for sort of carrying on going. Nonetheless, I'm frantically you know. trying to find the release on Discogs while you're talking and it's crashing my browser as I'm going in. But I've got a feeling that the reason might have been the B side to this because he never put out the vocal mix of it doesn't have to be originally, did he? That you was... could, you, I think I think you're right. I think you could only get it digitally, couldn't you? Because you remember that yeah. Charma set up the, the stereo hype site and, and there was lots of additional mixes of, of tracks on there. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think perhaps the release had, because that was the dub mix that we just played, should just clarify that, that yeah. was the dub mix. And I think the, the, the mix of the reason that went out was also the dub mix. I seem to recall Mary being a bit hacked off because obviously she did full vocals and she was just like where's my vocal mixes do you know what I mean but like I think and I don't think it was any um I don't think anyone meant any disrespect to Mary I think just that sound and that error and those tracks just kind of worked better a little bit dubby than they did as full vocal tracks um but yeah you could I think you could get the vocal tracks purely on a digital basis and 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 no more because you know I looked on Spotify uh, I must apologise to Brad because obviously we're not going to be able to add that to the In The Garage recommends playlist. But what I will do in place of it is go and pick out one of his, his new releases. He did a track recently, Signals, um, on, on his Point Blank EP, which was Fire which I loved. So I'll probably use that instead of that one there. So so what I've actually realised, um, this is completely by coincidence as well, is that I've also picked a True Tiger release. Ah, Okay. Would you would you believe it? Um, I think I know what it is. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to let you. Right. Gonna, I, I think I know what it is. I think I know what it is. Just looking back, so that EP was called Will One Take Over. Yes. Um, what a great name for an EP. What a great, even you know, the Lost Years. Even the EP names are great. <laughs> and it was and it was right. So it does. It doesn't have to be. Was the was the B B one and the reason was B two, and then it was in love with you and ignoring me by Will Phillips on the A side. Ignoring me, that was and it was it was it, it was yeah. stereo hype versus True Tiger. I forgot all of this. It's, it's, right. it's probably sitting in the shelf over there somewhere. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I've, I picked a, a True Tiger release as well. Um, I'm not gonna lie. When this tune came out, I probably hated it. I, prob- I probably <laughs> hated it. That probably even gives it away a bit more what tune it is. Um, and people were going mad for it, and I didn't understand it. And and I think after a while of, of of getting the vinyl and playing it a bit, it was, again, it was a complete evolution of sound and it wasn't kind of anything that you'd heard before really in Garage. It was a bit, it was a bit different. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring us into this one swiftly also on True Tiger Recordings and it's by Scandalous Unlimited uh, and this one is called Watford Weather.
It was like two tunes in one, man. Like, yeah, yeah, man. Completely uh, different to anything you, you've heard. Like, obviously, you got the sample in there as well. Ain't No Sunshine when she's gone was kind of new for Garage. Um, and it was it was just a complete... The, the, the dichotomy of, of the one tune going into the other, it was a weird old switch. And, and Gowers um, loves these marimbas for sure. And, and this tune he put together was absolutely fat. I learned to appreciate it after after time. I heard it killed raves, as in people didn't understand it and you drop this tune and the dance floor would stand there and be like, what the fuck is this? And, I, and it is, <laughs> it's underappreciated for its time. It, it was trying something different. But I, I mean, I definitely yeah. know I started threads on Uptown Forum. First one being, what is this shit? I hate this. And then the second one being, this is the greatest tune of all time. And being called <laughs> out for the fact that I've said two different things about it. Um, but yeah, that, that was my pick. <laughs> I, I think, do you know what? I, I think I probably agree with what you said there in terms of your, your, I had like a visceral reaction where I really wasn't sure about it. And it took some time for me to get my head around it. And then when I did come around to it, I was just like, that's bad. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that because it's just it's that that second part, that second that big build up and that drop. It's almost a little bit off key. It's almost almost right. I mean, obviously it's not random, but it's almost kind of random sounding. It kind of makes you go, ah, like what's going on here? But like the more you listen to it, like the the texture that the whole the track as a whole is just absolutely banging. And like 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 you say, like you hear those drums. Those are Gower's drums from the get go. They're just so fat, so beefy. Like I don't know. I still like it. I listen to the Signature One stuff as well, right? Gowers as well. And like the way that's all put together, like I feel like he was almost ahead of his time in what he was doing in that era. Um, like the production level was so high. And I still can't quite wrap my head around all these years later. Like I consider myself a very proficient producer. I cannot get my head around how he got his drums to sound that fat and that energized because i don't know what tempo have you got that playing on oh, you've got that on itunes haven't you i was going to say what have you got that playing on i wonder what the tempo of that track is because it's not like a 140 track but it sounds as if it's playing at 140 it's just so there's so much energy in that track yeah Do you know what i mean i I'm, it's just yeah i don't know what speed it is because it's probably a vinyl rip that i've got um but yeah it's it, there is there is so much energy to it and gower's is just is the best producer you've never heard of. Like he, he was so underrated, and I think all of the nerds appreciated him, um, but yeah. not a lot of people knew about him. And and somehow, um, True Tiger, had kind of got him under the wing to represent the kind of Scandalous Unlimited brand, and and that kind of left him swept away doing that until the Signal to One stuff kind of come out. And and I, I kind of just felt like there was this genius that was kind of just being underappreciated and left to crank out. Yeah. It was like shitty grime they was making in do pretty much. Really. What was the name? Of, who was the guy? Stan, what was the um the MC that was the other Stan, half of Scandalous? It was Stan. Uh, it wasn't an MC. It was Stanza. It was yeah, an MC, Stan, was yeah, I thought Stanza was an MC. Did he not do? Did he not? No, no he, was a, he was a DJ. Um, oh, okay. I don't, I don't, he might have been an MC. I don't remember him MCing, but uh, Stanza was no, the nice other fellow. half, I right? A couple of questions. Nice uh, I, I, I yeah. never, I never got to meet either of them. Um, it's just to say, I felt like that 
Gow, like when Gow was a like, I remember Gow used to have a tune in his signature on a forum, right? And it was just like, yeah, here's the latest thing I've knocked up, like so, like blase. And then you click on this link, and it's like, holy fuck, this guy's like making like top quality garage, and people be like, that tune in your signature is sick. It's like that's like that's not even what the thread's about, and people are asking him, what's going on with this kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, it was just it, uh, massive talent, and it's worth. Um, I don't want it to be like a eulogy of him. I'm, I'm sure he's probably somewhere out in the industry, ghost producing for someone really, um, really large, or he's got his own name that he's making himself. He was, you know, he's probably Calvin so, Harris, man. and we didn't realise. I don't know. Like. <laughs> Do you know what I also liked about Gow is I remember there being, um, you know, up to uptown as uptown was. I remember there being these really pretentious threads started by producers who were kind of ridiculing other producers for using certain bits of software and certain people that were using reason got shit and certain people that were using fo studio got shit and there was this whole and it still goes on to this day there's this very productions this kind of big boys club isn't it and it's like people get very condescending and and, and very kind of holier than thou with it um, and there's this culture of people who go oh if you aren't using logic or pro tools you want a real producer and i remember there being threads to that effect on uptown on uptown and obviously there was a few garage producers that were quite vocal. Hey, yeah, no, I, I use FL Studio, I, I use Reason, like whatever they were using. Um, and I've always been of the thinking that it doesn't fucking matter what you're using to make your tunes, it's the end results. It's exactly the same as it, it doesn't matter whether you were mixing on belt drives or direct dives. If, direct drives, if you were doing good mixes, you were doing good mixes, right? Um, and Gowers was the one who really proved that when he came along and like he was using FL, FL Studio for all of those, for that track, for all of those Signal to One tracks, mixing down the True Tiger stuff doing it all within the box using FL, uh, it was just like a massive middle finger, like a fuck you to anyone who ever said, oh, that's a, that's a cheap, that's a kid's toy. No, it's fucking, I listened to his music. That guy's a don. Like you said, like he was just years. Even, I know you said about the shitty grind tracks, even some of the kind of hybrid um, kind of grind tracks, I think they did, it was a Carly Bond track with purple on the vocal. And I've got a feeling it was called My Life or something in my head. And it was like this hybrid guy, grime garage track i don't know if you know what i mean it was like it was around that time where true true tiger were championing that i think what they called rng do you remember that right yeah it yeah. was rng it was rng as in rhythm and grime and it was like a, a hybrid um but like obviously gowers was quite heavily responsible for that and and that probably you know if i had to pick my sound wouldn't be my cup of tea but even that stuff was like fucking badass but you know you could he, i could he took it and made it good right but it's, it's exactly what you yeah. said they've tried to create yeah. a brand to force a kind of pop thing through for grime and it, and it obviously it didn't work because we're not still talking about rng now um and this is no disrespect to what those guys did because you know let's say true tiger the whole repertoire of true tigers a lot of it's really good and the two things we've picked today have coincidentally been both from true tigers record label um but yeah it's it's let's say it is it's i'm very typically just going to be blasé when i first without thinking to slag someone off and i shouldn't be slagging off the contribution that they made in the forgotten years <laughs> but, but yeah some of that stuff weren't my cup of tea like you say and it weren't yours and it, it's like th this was the this is where it was for me what for weather the signal to one bits phenomenal and there was other bits that they did they're not jumping out to me right now yeah. but there were other stuff that stood out um, I've got a little shortlist actually on my hard drive of tunes from the Forgotten Years that I will put forward as we go through episode after episode with this podcast. And yeah, I think there's multiple Signal to One 
uh, tracks on there, like the, the Teacher Moses remix springs to mind. But um, yeah, there, there was a few of them. Jill Scott, just like, Jill Scott one, Love Rain. Jill Scott, Jill Scott oh. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah love, that's Love Rain down on me. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, I mean, we could. I, I, I'm fanboying again, man. What is it today? We're just gushing. I, I, lo- <laughs> I love that gushing. you've, um, you mentioned about MC Purple, right? And there's, um, there's one tune that I've always wanted. There's an MC Purple diss track against Bashy. Have you ever heard that? I, I, don't, I don't know if I have. I don't I know, know who produced it, but it's only on vinyl. And I've, I can't remember where I heard it, but I heard it somewhere. But Bashy's real name is Ashley Thomas. And the tune's called Ashley Thomas. And it's it's just uh, it's hilarious. Like He just cusses, he cusses Bashy through the whole track. And I don't know whether Gowers produced it or not. Because it's, I think it's put out as just MC Purple, Ashley Thomas. That's one. That's one for you guys to track down. If you can send me an MP3, I'm gonna go and have a look on YouTube. I need I need <laughs> that tune in my life. Please uh, feedback at uh, in the ukgarage.com <laughs> if you can hook us up with that. Um, we have been waffling for I don't know how long now. Um, we are an hour and ten in, so we better get on to have a little gas before we can get out of here. So, um, what is the the first topic we wanted to talk about? Was it was it um, the the youngers' favourite pastime? <laughs> what did we decide on the topics i can't remember we, we were going to talk about like drugs of drugs, drugs of choice the young as his favorite to, to yeah. yeah drugs are bad say no no um yeah like it was, uh, I, I was having an interesting conversation with um with someone i know because they're from a, a sort of slightly different background to me in terms of clubbing and raving now obviously i like i, I identify um i turned 18 in 2002 i never really did the mad warehouse or in the field raves um i've been to i've been to some uh, drum and bass nights i've been to a couple of hardcore nights but like i was never fully into that, those kind of scenes in the same way i was garage you know what i mean I've, I've always been kind of a garage head at heart um that's a bit of a paradox isn't it garage head? you know what i mean um but we identified like in the course of our conversation obviously my friend um she is from that that scene like where her mates were um massively into that kind of rave scene uh warehouses fields all the illegal stuff um and and obviously the boys that, that she hung around with were massively into their jungle and drum and bass um and we just kind of identified how different you know given given how similar we are in age the, the different routes that we went down largely sort of related to the music that we were into um our, our, our sort of experience of of clubland culture was massively different because obviously I like I, I did a, um, a guest spot on um, I can't even think what the radio station's called but um, this young lad interviewed me and he was basically interviewed me and Red Hot uh, and, and I think the show was called like the fashion the history of, of fashion in garage I don't know why the fuck he asked me for my thoughts on fashion because like he's asking me about garments I used to wear and stuff and I'll be the first to admit like I've always been a bit clueless on that kind of thing I could certainly make observations about people wearing Averix and that so we, we, we kind of got talking all that um but like I, 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 one one of the things I identified when I was doing this interview was like I remember like when I first started going clubbing and possibly it was due to my age I don't know I think it was a sign of what garage was and where garage came from I don't know if you I don't know if this will ring because I know you're a similar age to me right Greg I don't know if this will ring true with you but I remember wearing shoes and trousers and putting a shirt on and getting really tarted up to go yep. and like and, and I had I had I had a, I remember having a bird and I, and I would still do it just because it was just what it was kind of what you did 
I wasn't on the prowl. I was just, it was like you went to these garage nights and you dressed smart. You, you tried to look the part. And it, there was like a, a, that was the culture of the scene, right? Now, when I was talking to my friend and, and, and like she was talking about the culture of her days, I mean, I think she's a couple of years younger than me, but obviously went down this different route. She was like, I've never got dressed up to go on a night out. I would dress scruffy because I knew I was going out to get absolutely mashed off my tits and not know what the fuck I was getting, you know, listening to, probably end up being sick or whatever. And it was just, it was just a fascinating dichotomy to kind of compare the two experiences. And like I was saying to you when we spoke about it, like I never, obviously like having been to drum and bass raves, yeah, like I've been offered pills. Um, you go to different scenes, you get offered different drugs. Like a lot of my mates were massively into drum and bass and they were getting pills before they went out or, um, you know, at worst, they, they, they might get on the ketamine and, and go. Couldn't really see the point in that myself, but, you know, each their own and all that. Um, I don't think I ever got offered anything but Coke um, at garage nights. Uh, and I just I found that fascinating that, that you, the, 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 the clubland drug of offering appears to be directly related to the type of music that you're listening to and i think also it's quite apt really coke being intrinsically linked to garage is is a perfect reflection of the culture and the troubles certainly around that kind of breakbeat era of garage i don't mean you can really directly attribute it to the music um the music was a reflection of society and culture and what was going on and probably what was going on in those clubs at the time um, I think really, you know, like, you know, a lot of garage raves were getting shut down or clubs were refusing to put on garage nights, police were putting pressure on them, when actually it probably wasn't the music per se, it was the, the drug culture that kind of went with the scene. Um, yeah, I don't really know what I'm trying to say in saying this. I, just, just more of an observation, really, based on, on my experiences. And, and I kind of wanted to gauge your thoughts on it. Um, I'm not asking you what your drug of choice is by any <laughs> means. So that probably wouldn't be an appropriate question to ask. Right, right but like, now, just it's, in terms it's of... Buffalo Trace, mate. Right now, it's Buffalo Trace <laughs> and Diet Coke. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm completely with you. And I mean, Garage was singled out, definitely. Like, there was, like, Garage was getting banned everywhere in London at one point. It was like no Garage allowed in London because it was seen as a kind of violent night would be put on if you had a Garage night. Um, and I think it took a lot of time for that stigma to go away. And it only went away with the departure of, of Garage's popularity. Um, I mean, definitely thinking back to when I used to be a, um, a young a younger man um, out in Epping Forest Country Club and Atlantis when they were still existing and not rubble. Um, I'd be wearing your YSL shirt or your Machino shirt and, and your trousers and your shoes. Definitely going out in shoes. It's like, imagine going out in shoes nowadays. Just the thought of having to stand up for that long on a set of shoes makes me like shudder like how can you not be on air bubbles all night you know um and it was a standard thing yeah you had to be kind of dressed up that was it shirt shoes um i think the, the shirt shoes got replaced with jeans shirt eventually um but some clubs that well most clubs wouldn't let you in if you weren't wearing shoes like some of the scam yeah. would be if you did if you had trainers it would be give me your socks i'll put your socks over me trainers and that's how you blag it in you don't they wouldn't notice if you got black socks over a pair of trainers <laughs> and that worked for some people that was a thing i've seen i've seen someone on twitter recently anecdotally telling that same story and it was common like it used to happen with my mates but but yeah i mean you talk about coke getting going around a lot in, in garage and for me i mean all my mates were just puffing like there, there was a few people that were definitely love to to jump off the slopes on the weekend and, and go rampantly skiing and you know that affected them in whatever they, they wanted to and you know everyone kind of dabbles um but definitely for me 
it was, I have vivid memories of being in Atlantis in Epping Forest and it's just, uh, suddenly you smell skunk and it's like, oh, one of my mates has sparked up because they had to be the ones in the rave that always had to smoke in the rave just to be able to say they did it. And they, I mean, when I go out, I, I was happy just to drink and mixing it wasn't always great. But uh, it's to me, I always associate someone smoking a spliff in a garage rave. Um, you know, there obviously were people that were having a toot when they were out, uh, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I guess I didn't get on the, at that early age. I wasn't bang on it then. I wasn't up. I wasn't doing that. When when garage was at its highlight, it was all everyone was drinking. Who who can afford to get a bottle of champagne? You know, because that was the lifestyle. <laughs> it was shirt, shoes, yeah. champagne for for a garage rave. MC Creed up front with his bowler hat on, promoting the lifestyle. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, 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 different scenes, as you say, it's definitely different kind of drugs. And, and I feel like certain scenes couldn't exist without the drugs. It's like, I, I couldn't see like trance or like just heavy kind of techno like existing without a drug culture. Like I, yeah. it, it's for me, I struggle to understand that people would listen to that of a sober mind. And maybe that's just my own tastes. You know, every music's got kind of its own um, thing that you enjoy and you know the stuff that's that that is not that is not for me that might be for you i completely understand that for sure but for me it's definitely yeah go on i mean there's a stamina element to it because like i can uh, like i before before i was into garage uh my experience of dance music was um i think i mentioned this before but like my brother used to have um mostly happy hardcore tapes and i'm talking not like your old school breaky hardcore, I'm talking happy hardcore, late 90s, like 185 beats a minute slamming. He was well, well into all of that kind of scene. We used to have all the bonkers CDs. Um, and I like a bit of that. And I can sit here and I can listen to a bit of that and I can appreciate the the, the good elements of it. I've been to a couple of club night stuff. Um, I cannot stay there and do nine or ten hours of it. Fuck that. Like, I, like I, I, I can like it, but like what you're saying about like, not understanding how people can do that of a sober mind. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, I like it, but I still couldn't be there for several hours of it. I, I don't understand how you could do that unless you were off your tits. Because, you know, once you go past 150, 160 beats a minute, that's pretty full on tempo. You've got to be in a certain mindset and pharmaceutical help is certainly going to help with that. I don't know. Maybe I'm being stupid. Yeah, but well, that. mate, but it, like hospitality. I've been to my a couple of hospitality raids for sure, and that, I love Danny Bird. Danny Bird's the fucking bollocks. Um, yeah. Just uh, just listening to kind of high pop drum and bass. I love Danny Bird because he, he's one of the few that you know is definitely playing live because he he'll clang and joke about it. Whereas there'd be all these other people that have got these pre-planned sets. They're probably just pressing play and standing there a lot of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, you know, I'll go hospitality and I will I will get off on that music because that hospital records vibe is just that's it's slightly kind of it's, it's either the real kind of musical stuff that they even call that like festival drum and bass or whatever or it's the hype jump up stuff and and i and i'll i can go for maybe a danny bird set but then when the next guy comes on and he starts playing the same sort of stuff i'm starting to think oh okay let's have a little let's have a little breather like you know um I'm, I'm I'm pushing my age a bit here, and I don't know whether I can keep up with it. And if I'm not doing bumbles, I don't know how I'm how I'm going to keep keep going. Yeah, like yeah. You, you I don't need that I, help. I don't even think it's age. You know, you, like in in your the the example of using yourself, I don't even think it's age because I've always, you know, I even when I was much younger and I was going clubbing, like I I, I remember going to the end, going to Shogun Audio. 
Um, and I mean, the main reason I went there, one of my mates massively wanted to see, I want to say friction. I, it was one of the kind of harder drum and bass DJs. Um, I was quite interested in the fact that EZ was playing in the second room. And actually, like, it was the best EZ set I've ever seen because I think it was like a two-hour set. And what he basically did was a journey through Garage. Um, he did like a timeline. So he started off with old school and then he basically just moved through the years. It was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I digress. I was much younger then. And even back then, I remember just being like, yeah, like, I can't handle, I can't, I can't handle too much of this. I don't know. It's fascinating. Like, um, you know, I think you, you, you perfectly like your, your experience kind of perfectly mirrored mine and what you've said. Um, I think, I think like weed kind of is almost a trend. It, it transcends all of that. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think weed and skunk is kind of almost a given irrespective of the scene. Right. I think like, I mean, I don't want to get into a debate on whether we should legalise weed and that and, and all that kind of thing, because obviously that's a, that's an entirely different discussion and we could make a three-hour podcast on that. But um, I think, like, yeah, weed, weed's there kind of across the board. What I find interesting about Garage, and I don't know if you would agree with this, is that I think of all my mates, all the people I've met over the years through Garage, and, and there's like there's a lot of you, like, um, you know, that, that I've made good mates from yourself, obviously, being, being a great example. I can't really think of anybody who was going to any of those club nights we used to go to and getting massively on it you know when I, when I look back to all of the clubbing that I've done t- at garage nights I really don't know that many people like like I, I say like being offered coke I never really got into coke never really kind of interested me I don't really know many people that did do you know what I mean I know it was there I know there was a culture of it I know it caused problems but it seems like I almost feel like and I don't want to say it because I don't want to sound pretentious I don't want to sound like I'm saying that Garage is like a superior intellect music or something, but I almost feel like the people that were in truly into Garage, I'm talking about the heads, I almost feel like they were there they didn't need they didn't need the drugs or have any interest in the drugs. Do you know uh, what I'd, I mean? I'd say the the, the all of the, all of the nerds that that met up at four four in the Indigo O two um when Todd Edwards debuted No Place Like London, I'd say all of those heads there Definitely, we're not we're not the drug taking type for sure. It's interesting. It's interesting, man. Like it's it's like a this this form of music that attracts people that aren't really into that, and then other forms of music attract. Like, is it the music? Are people taking the drugs so that they can endure more of the music, as you suggested? Is the music secondary to their drug taking? I think that's probably part of part of it. I think some people don't go out to listen to the music; they go out to get fucked. And having some slamming tunes on in the background is like a bonus to them. So I guess, I don't know. I don't want to say anything sweeping. I don't want to suggest that Garage is where the people who are really into music go to listen to and people who listen to drum and bass aren't into it. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. I, I'm, I'm aware that like, based on what I've said, it could come across that way. So I'm just clarifying that now. Um, I just find it fascinating, the, the different kind of cultures and you know the, the, the different drugs and the different sort of... Yeah. Every, every scene has its nerds guaranteed for 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 every, for anyone like there'll be someone that's listening to here that will be like oh I'm banging to my techno and how dare you say I can't listen to that on a Monday morning when I'm stone cold sober like every, every single scene will have its nerds and and its niche somewhere um so maybe just we mingled with more nerds within garage I don't know um 
Possibly, possibly. I mean, we are, we are. I think it's fair to say, I will fully admit to being a complete nerd. Um, you know, I wouldn't be able to sit here for several hours a day in front of the computer screen if I wasn't, right? And neither would you. So I, I guess it figures. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, and it makes sense with us kind of being quite heavily involved in Garage that we would kind of affiliate with other people who are heavily involved mm. who are more into that. So maybe our experience and is, is based on that. Maybe there are other people listening to the podcast who are going, oh, it's Garage Raves, and I was, I was always bang on the coke. If that's you, drop us an email, feed, feedback at, at uh, intheukgarage.com, because I'd love to hear other people's ex- experiences and stories. I remember the, the one thing that, that strikes me, one story that kind of stands out in my mind, and it isn't sort of directly drug-related, uh, but I remember it vividly. I remember speaking to AC. Did you, did you know AC? Yeah. I don't know if you remember AC. He was like, wicked DJ, top fella. Um, used to go to the, the, the prolific club nights at Herbal with him. It was always a laugh. Um, I didn't speak to him for a while. And then he went to, not, not, not because we had a fallen out or anything like that. I just hadn't seen him in a while. And then I remember he um, basically went to, the, I think it was the Scala. I've got the Scala in my head. And I can't remember what the night, night was. I think it was like one of the Back to 95 or Pioneers of the old school nights or something like that. And I remember speaking to him the following day because I think he posted up on something called Uptown just being like, fuck Garage, I'm done. And I remember being like, what? That's AC. Everyone knows AC loves Garage. And I was like, mate, you're right. And it turned out he'd gone along and there was obviously some kerfuffle with some gang, you know, drug-related gang violence. Someone got shot in the head standing a couple of feet away from him and it just finished the scene off for him. Um, And that kind of scenario and the kind of scenario that we talked about that got Garage banned from a lot of clubs wasn't exclusive to Garage. But it was more pronounced within garage. I feel. Do you know what I mean? I think. I think there's no smoke without fire. I'm not saying it was related to the music. And like you said, garage got the blame for it when actually the music probably wasn't to blame for it. It was all of the other shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, that that event, yeah. that event of AC witnessing the shooting on the dance floor, is why I ended up owning a box full of his records because <laughs> he sold all his records <laughs> and I bought a shitload off of him. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. There you go. Big up, big up, AC. I don't think I don't think he listens. I know he's still around. I know he's still around, and he's he's obviously producing under an alias. And I, I he was rebranding to like, do just... electro because electro was a thing yeah. as, as he was changing. But he was a banging DJ. He is succeeding wherever he went for sure. It now produces his Oculus. Does some decent stuff, man, as well. Mm. Big him yeah. up. Big him up. All right. We, big up, AC. We're, we're we're running hot on this. We've been going. <laughs> nearly an hour and a half should we go into the feedback section absolutely so uh based on feedback you had you had a little chat right i did a chat with Merlin. yeah we met up and went for for lunch down the pub uh, that's not how a feedback section normally starts i appreciate <laughs> that but like, obviously i know Merlin outside of the podcast i don't just casually meet random men in pubs for lunch um despite what the rumors may be um but we we were chatting about um on the last podcast you and I were saying about recycled sounds and I know that obviously it's something that Merlin feels quite strongly about and, and I think he was quite pleased to to hear us kind of almost mimic some of the things that he's been saying um, in the sense of, of, of re- I, I think for him it's specifically with drum sounds uh, like I quite often get a text from him saying oh I just um, just listened to this on Beatport have you heard it uh, and he'll pick out where the drums are nicked from, uh, and it really grinds his gears. Um, so it's it, interesting. Uh, obviously, we're not the only ones that kind of identified that that goes on, and that perhaps it's you know I don't want to say it's wrong. I don't want to chastise anyone for doing it because you know 
the the foundations of dance music are built on on essentially plagiarism right sampling borrowing elements from here and there garage has done it a lot over the years it's kind of a quick route to get in a very authentic quintessentially garage sounding track right to use grant nelson sounds that kind of thing um but yeah it's also self-limiting and funnily enough i was talking to impact about this after i went on his show earlier we just sat around and gassed much like this for a bit afterwards <laughs> Um, and I was saying about how I feel like, and you identified it earlier, right? You picked out an American guy who obviously doesn't have the same background as we do, doesn't have that same palette of sounds and vinyls to steal his drums from, and he's come through with something a bit different. I feel like people constantly recycling is kind of self-limiting because, yeah, it's great. You get an authentic sounding garage track, but do you just want to sound like something that someone made 25 years ago? I can't really see the the logic in that. Like, yeah, like it'd be all right if you were doing it once in a while, but you know, there, there are people around who are just constantly attempting to make tunes that sound like they were made in the late nineties. And in doing so just sampling old nineties tunes. And um, yeah, I know obviously we were very vocal and talked at length about that last time. And um, I had a similar chat uh, in terms of feedback after the show with Merlin. So um, big up Merlin, um, UKG's, first magician does his wizardry on Kane FM every Wednesday every Tuesday night uh, so I mean I mean it's, um, yeah. in the 90s it was different right and I think the, the the key thing that held the 90s back in in those regards is technology um sampling right. was very different then now you could you know chop a beat up and chuck it into logic and and throw a tune together much more simpler than you would have done back then like the hardware the hardware would have existed, but then maybe there would have been too much of an overhead on the processors to do it in the same sort of way you do it nowadays. It was more likely that you do a, a kind of small sample and you'd use a hardware sampler to kind of play, play that back. And that's kind of where you'd end up with, you know, someone would nick one drone loop from someone else and then they'd just play it and then there'd be a little break where you can tell they're repeating it kind of thing. Um, and I think that technology there led to a different type of sampling so then you noticed it more back in in the late 90s and there was also the fact that people were using sample cds that would have a garage break on and then they'd all just use the same garage break on their tracks um so yeah. it was it was a different world back then and i think the I think we've progressed so far now you know so, sample packs exist now instead of sample cds and they have similar things and there's definitely been times when i've heard two songs have had exactly the same riff going on in the yeah. background somewhere because they've just used the same sample lazily so the laziness still exists and sometimes it's hard to spot um but you know i i do think that i i appreciate what merlin's saying in terms of if they've just done a real lazy sampling uh, an ala 98 style when they could have moved on way past that from now um I, that would annoy me too because it would just be like yeah build yeah. your own beat don't just nick someone else's like um like the 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 beat on um marvel and eli's remix of whitney houston it's not right um how many times have you heard that that break it's in it, it, it that wasn't the first record that it was on it was on so many different records um nowadays the the, the 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 I've I've told you I'm sure I said this on a previous podcast the new Armen break for me is Love Suicide by the Midnight Circus that break on that tune was an original one that that Pete wrote with with the Midnight Circus and it's been sampled so many times and it's because it's just so great it's just quite distinctive um, and and I and I I love hearing that that's kind of a popular one that people think no one else can hear but they're using it lots. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where I'm kind of going with this. So I think the the last bit I wanted to say on this sampling thing is Smasher. You pu- you pulled out Smasher's tune in your um in your your notables new and notable section, and Smasher does nostalgia really really well. And if you listen to his tunes, he seems to always have um a, a, like a late nineties early two thousands garage tune like break like sampled in there like four bars or four like four beats like just just slipped in under somewhere like buried under all these other drums just to give a mm-hmm. nice little nod and that's kind of like a nice little nostalgic sampling where it's not taking yeah, over the yeah. whole track so I I, yeah. I, I I am i'm appreciating that um but i'm with merlin if it's a lazy sampling and you're just nicking someone else's beat then yeah uh, it, do you know what i think you you eloquently summarised it perfectly. Like, I literally agree with everything you said there, right down to the, I'll oh, make an allowance for Smasher. Totally agree. <laughs> I think you, you very eloquently summarised it perfectly in saying that the reason people did it a lot in the 90s was because of technological limitations. And you then went on to say, we don't have those same limitations now. The possibilities of what you can create are endless. And therefore, if you are still doing what they were doing in the late 90s, yeah, it could be argued as lazy. I completely get that. I think for myself, looking from a producer's perspective, and I'm not saying I've never borrowed a sound from here and there, because obviously I have everyone else. I think if you're just, if it's the occasional bit, fine. If you're routinely building your tracks based on stuff that other people have made, I just can't, I can't quite get my head around where the satisfaction is in that, because I think that would jar me. Like, I would get to the end of a track and I would just be like, well, I'd... I wouldn't feel like I had ownership of it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas the way I make tracks, building them from the ground up, and like even my drums now, they're all, I source them all differently. I process them all. Do you know what I mean? I want everything to kind of be my own, and that's how I've kind of crafted my own sound. And and I think the producers who are really doing big things, like they're doing that, they're crafting their own sound. That's that's part of the process. That's part of being a producer. Again, that's that's my subjective uh, analysis of it. Um, I also had something else I was going to say. You, you raised something else. Midnight Circus, completely going off topic here for a second, but I think we need to categorically agree right now that next month one of us is going to pinpoint a Midnight Circus track as our forgotten gem oh. because, man, they made some absolute belters and it's a crime that none of those tracks crossed over into the mainstream. It's only timing. It's nothing else. It was only the timing that stopped them because, man, like, complicated... Um, they did. They just. They had this time where they just like Pete and Alex were just churning out these absolute blistering tracks. And yeah. I, I mean, I, I spent time with them um, in the studio. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was pretty, yeah. It was pretty cool. Um, putting me on the spot to pick a Midnight Circus one for the next show because because I was going to pick a Duncan. So so you know the well, big, the big man pick a, it needs to be spoken about. The big man definitely does. Yeah, he's he's the, he's the other one. All right, like one of us will pick a Duncan and one of us pick us a Midnight Circus. Right, that's fair to say. I think that's fair. I think they're both overdue a pick. All right. I think the obvious one, the obvious one to pick for Midnight Circus, would be uh, the remix of "I Want Your Number" that they did for me. Um, <laughs> right, right. Obvious, totally, totally obvious. And I'm going com- to be offended if we if anything else gets picked. <laughs> oh, I, com- I completely remember that that happened as well. It's just definitely the most obvious thing that happened with the Midnight Circus for sure. Um, let's uh, let's pick that. Done. You've ruined the next episode already, Rob. What's going on, mate? Um, <laughs> Shall we wrap it up there before I give away any other That sounds spoilers? about right. So you can't always give us feedback face-to-face in the pub, but if you want to kind of stalk us and track us down to give us feedback that way, you're more than welcome to. Um, also, you can hit us over at feedback at intheukgarage.com or on all of the magical socials, social 
uh, like Twitter, Insta, uh, TikTok, because we're on the TikToks. Um, hit us uh, at In The UK Garage and we will read your message, probably give it a thumbs up and gush over um, whatever comment it may be, positive or negative. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that's. We'll wrap this bad boy up. Thank you uh, for giving us your your Saturday evening again, Rob. That was uh... likewise, mate. Likewise, like, like I said, I think of anything I'd rather do than sit and gas about a garage. And funnily enough, I did it all day as well. So it's been a garage centric <laughs> day. I'm gonna need some time to decompress and just chill out tomorrow. I think I'm just gonna go lazy in the sun, provided it stays up. Just listen to some Justin Bieber or you know something, <laughs> something else. I don't know. Cool. Let's uh, let's leave it there. Thank you for listening. Um, hit us uh, at intheukgarage.com. Subscribe in all the usual podcasty places, and we will see you on the on the next episode. Later. <laughs>